Wow, what a great time of worship today, starting this new year. And I love the time we spend around communion table because it reminds us of, of what's really unique about our faith that makes Christianity so much more attractive and so different than any other world religion. It's that, that God made the first move. Uh, Romans 5 verse 8 puts it like this, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. My friends, here's what I want you to know this morning. Here's what I want you to respond to the rest of this morning. God came after you. Some of us may have experienced when somebody actually pursued us and came after us. I think of my son-in-law, Ben Stark, you I'm so proud of. I know his parents here are so proud of him. I mean, you know, Ben's been an accountant, working here at a nice job in Montgomery, and there was some headhunter that found out about Ben and, and pursued him. And before long, you know, they're moving to Manhattan, and he's got an office overlooking, you know, the Statue of Liberty in a great bay. Now, I don't know who this headhunter was, but I can't stand him, okay? But, but somehow, what a feeling for someone to come after a kid in Montgomery, Alabama and say, we want you to lead this department over all these Ivy League people. Now, that's what God has done for us. Now, there's a difference. They came after Ben because he had a really good resume, had the experiences they were looking for. God came after us when we had a terrible resume. Our resume was we were yet sinners, and yet God came after us. So the question this morning is, what will we do? How will we respond? Now, if you have your Bible or your phone, go to 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to be studying today. Uh, The apostle Peter is writing his second letter. By this point, he's a little bit worried that these people become spiritually stagnant. This, these are second-generation Christians, and so some of the initial fire seems to have been lost, and he didn't like that. So he's going to remind them of what God has done, and he's going to challenge them about how they respond. Look at verse 3. God's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he's given us his very great and precious promises. You know, maybe someone come after you for a job, and they made promises you couldn't turn down. I'm telling you, if you understand these promises, you can't turn them down. Listen to this one. So that through them, those promises, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So there's God's part. And then Peter begins to challenge us. For this reason, because God's been so good to us, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For... If you possess these qualities, here's the key, in increasing measure, they keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I want you to see from this passage, if you don't see anything else. You must have movement in your life. 
There's no such thing as just stopping. You know, we, we've learned that physically. You know, if you have a knee replacement today or shoulder replacement, one of those kind of hip replacement kind of surgeries, you know, decades ago, they would keep you completely still for, for weeks. They thought the worst thing to do would be for you to get moved. Today, if you have that surgery in the morning, they're going to have you up walking and doing something by the afternoon because we found out we heal better when we're moving. And my friends, when it comes to spiritual life, there's no such thing as standing still. Either you're going forward or you're going backwards. For those of you who are guests, um, back last year we did a, a survey to check out our church and where we were spiritually. A lot of encouraging things in that survey. A lot of things we needed to work on. And one thing it said was 17% of you feel spiritually stalled. You've just sort of stopped, but here's what I want to say to you. You've not stopped. You're going backwards. You've got to move. And so I want to show you this picture of the way I believe that Peter says this happens because we have the privilege of joining God's movement. What a movement. And you can see on this graph, see the divine nature. That's what surrounds this. Now, that, that's a pretty incredible promise Here's what, here's what we read a minute ago. We get to participate in the divine nature. Now, what is the divine nature? Uh, some translations say God's nature becomes our nature. You see, my friends, you are created in the beginning in the image of God. When Jesus moves into your life, you begin to be recreated in the image of God. Some translation says we begin to participate in the life of God. Now, how does that happen? Peter's really plain. This is not a complicated graph. God has moved. He's promised us incredible promises. Now, here's what Peter's saying is, are you going to react to that? When God moves, I move. When I move, God moves. And, and, and our goal the rest of our life is to continue this movement as our nature is slowly but surely transformed by the Holy Spirit into the very image of God. You see, what this promises is with God's help, you can be so much more than what you are right now. So it's simple. God moves, I move. You see, you say, well, why didn't God just do it? Because God wants a relationship with you. He didn't create you to be a robot. God's not a divine bully who makes you follow him. It's like any relationship. There's got to be a reciprocal relationship. You ever really maybe wanted someone to be your friend or, or maybe you are you know, wanting to date somebody, you know, and you pursued them and you sent signals and you made everything plain. And, and man, they, they made it very plain. They had no interests. That hurts your feelings, doesn't it? How do you think it makes God feel when God lays it all on the line for us, when God makes the first move for us? What God's saying is, okay, I've made my move. It's now your move. You've got a place in this. You see, listen to me, my friends. We are not passive observers. Here's the words that were used. Make every effort. Some translations, work hard, do your best. Here's my favorite translation of that verse. Join God in the work of redemption. 
You see, no relationship works, you've tried them, I've tried them, that are one-sided. And your relationship with God won't. Now remember this. There, there seems to me to be two philosophies about this. Now, on, on one philosophy, it's like, you know, spiritual growth is all about me. I'll pull my steps up, my bootstraps up. I mean, I'll work harder. I'll try harder. I'll achieve it. Oh, God did a good thing in Jesus. He sent us the Bible, and now I'm going to work as hard as I can to, to, to be like him. And that just doesn't work. It's not all up to you. And some people theologically look at it, it's just all your business, and that's just frustration. On the other hand, there are people who say it's all God. You don't really have anything to do with it. God picks and chooses, and, and God just does what he wants to do. And then you don't really have a response. My goodness, that contradicts almost every four or five verses in the Bible. God says, I have pursued you. Now you make every effort to pursue me. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I am not in any way this morning saying that my part compares to God's part. It doesn't. You've heard me tell this story. I love this story. Michael Jordan one night scored a record in the NBA of 69 points. For you guys that are young, just fill in LeBron James, okay? 69 points, all right? And in that game, there was a rookie point guard named Stacy King who got in the game just a couple of minutes, uh, was fouled, shot two free throws, and only made one. So after the game, the locker room is packed with all these reporters wanting to talk to Michael Jordan. This one reporter can't get close to Jordan, so she finally meanders over to Stacy King's locker and says, Mr. King, what will you remember about this great night? I love his response. I'll always remember it as the night Michael Jordan and I combined for 70 points. I love that. And so, so this is not even, but I'm telling you, it's not even, but I'm telling you, it calls for a response. Your move is necessary because God is not a divine bully. And God wants a love relationship with you. And you can never have love when it's forced. So remember these things. This is a really important point now. I hope you're taking notes. Number one, in this process, I do the natural. God does the supernatural. My part is not the big part. I just do, I just make an action. And God does incredible, miraculous things. And we see this all through the Bible. God always includes us in his plans. Jesus was feeding the 5,000. He didn't need that little boy's two loaves and fishes. But he commanded his disciples to go get anything they could, which was nothing compared to what needed to happen. They had to do something, and then Jesus feeds the 5,000. At the tomb of Lazarus, Jesus is going to resurrect Lazarus. That's pretty good power. You think Jesus could have moved the stone in front of the tomb? Of course But he wanted men to be a part of it. So he commands them to move the stone, and then he resurrects Lazarus. That's why we talk about elders. If you're sick, this is what you need to do. Do what the Bible says. Call the elders, ask them to lay hands on you and anoint you with oil. Now, what the elders are doing is nothing miraculous, nothing miraculous about their hands or the oil. They're doing the natural. The promise is that God will do the supernatural. And so we do the natural, God does the supernatural. Now, number two, this is so encouraging for the beginning of the year. Start with a step. That's what Peter's outlining here. Take this step and this step and this step. It's not a leap. 
In fact, what Peter really says is, you're going to be blessed if you just grow. Guys, here's the key to your spiritual life. It's not perfection. If it was, we'd all be in trouble. Amen? Well, you guys perfect? If it's not, we'd all be in trouble. Amen? Okay, I thought you could agree with that. Now, the idea is not perfection. The idea is absolute direction. He says, if you have these things in increasing measure, you'll be effective. So it starts not with a leap. It doesn't start with 25 steps. If we do that, we'd all leave here confused. It starts with at least a step. Now, here's the point that you need to get this morning. Everyone in this group today has a next step. Everybody has a next step. Now, you may be here just sort of checking this out. I've met quite a few people. It's your first Sunday to be here. You may not even be sure so far how you feel about Jesus or certainly how you feel about church. And, you know, you've taken a step to be here. You've got a next step to investigate it further. Some of you are new believers who've just put on Christ, like Ron last Sunday. And, and, and now, Ron, he's got a next step he needs to take. But let me say this. The most mature person in this gathering also has a next step. This is not a sermon you can walk out and say, well, I like what Buddy said today, but it doesn't apply to me. Everybody in here has a next step. And what we're going to try to do this morning is discover what our next step is, okay? So finding your next step. And I'm going to divide it into three different categories. Now, just hold on me for a second. Or, or, because I'm about to throw a lot at you. Is, is your mind engaged this morning? It doesn't appear from this vantage point very engaged, all right? If you're happy, would you inform your face right now? Okay. I want you to be engaged in this, because you've got a lot you're going to have to think about. First of all is this church step. Now, as I mentioned earlier, we took a survey last year of our church to find out where we are spiritually. And, and out of that, we decided that we want to challenge the status quo in this church. And here are the five things that we challenge the church with because of what you said in this survey. Here's some things that we need to do to grow more. And the other day, we spent some time just brainstorming. Because I told you back in August that on January the 6th, I'd give you a report, okay? And I'm quickly going to tell you some things that are going on. Number one, we want Scripture to permeate everything. I hope you've noticed the elevation of the reading and use of Scripture in our gatherings. In our ministries, we're encouraging everyone to be in Scripture. In our small groups, we've been learning this year how to pray by using Scripture. Number two was mentoring and discipleship. That we need to go deeper with each other and really challenge each other, even hold each other accountable. And I'm, I'm here to report behind the scenes without any notice. Your shepherds are doing that, and your ministers have all been challenged to start a discipleship group, and we're doing that. And so some of that's going on that we want to continue to grow. Community service focus. We want, to, we want our focus not to be on us, but on our community. And my God has blessed us. Hope Inspired Ministry is one of the greatest ministries in our city. Many of you gotten involved in that. Just a block from here, we had a failing elementary school, Halcyon Elementary. And man, some of you have been to prayer walks over there, some of you are tutoring, some of you just going over there and loving on kids, and that's becoming a major part of our church. 
Big jobs for members. I could give you so many examples where we're trying to say, you know what? Membership leadership needs to happen. One of the best examples is what happens in our, our weekly Bible classes. We have class leaders. They choose teachers. They choose curriculum. They meet the needs of their class. And small groups lead the way. We've had a great start. Lots of new small groups this year. We've been working many uh, church-wide events by using small groups. We have had prayer walks in most every school in the Montgomery area. I think we're making progress, but we don't want to stop. And so here's what I want you to do. In your copy of Landmark Lifelines, there's, a, there's a, an insert, okay? And one thing that we really found out as we looked at these goals is the goals that we set out fit the A, B, C, Ds of Landmark. When we decided on Adore, Belong, Care, Disciple years ago, if you were here, remember that was to indicate movement, right? You start with worship and then small groups, then service, and then discipling someone else. And all of these goals I just mentioned, you can see them on the right side of your 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 piece of paper there called Challenging the Status Quo. I'm just going to throw out some ideas really quickly. And, and you've got the next 10, 15 minutes to decide what you might want to do. Adore God. I need assistance in finding the right Sunday Bible class. To your left is a list of amazing classes. Some of you say, I'm, buddy, I'm embarrassed. I don't know enough about the Bible. I'm scared to walk into class. Listen to me. There's a new believers class that just started this right for you. There may be some of you on the other end of the spectrum say, I want to go to some deep Bible study. In fact, I've dreamed all my life of studying the book of Revelation. There's an intergenerational class that's just started an amazing study of that. And then you can see all the age divided. Some of us need to step up. I mean, it's pretty crazy that all you'd have to do is show up an hour earlier. And that would, that, that for some of you, that could be your next step. You might say, you know, I want to be a part of this worship assembly. I've got a, a, a voice that I believe is gifted. I would like information about joining Landmark's worship team. Our worship team is amazing. We are so blessed. But we need more people to be a part of that. Belong to family. This is where small groups are everything. I need assistance in finding a small group. Check that box. We'll, we'll, we'll check on you. And, and this is what we need even more. I'm interested in starting a new small group. I've got a group of peers. Would you train me and help me? we got it online training. Train me and I'll start a group out there. Care for the world. I'd like to become a part of that ministry at Halcyon School. Wow, there's so much to be done. I like information about serving hope-inspired ministry. Disciple someone. Some of us feel so inadequate about that. I need some training in evangelism. Or, or maybe you desire, we'll help you with this, to start a discipleship group which is a little smaller and more intimate and more challenging and more accountability than a life group. And you say, you know what, if I'm going to really move this year, I need some people to help me. And we'll help you with that. And big jobs for members. Here, here's some things going on really soon. We've got this great parenting seminar. We'd like a team of members to head up our promotion and work on that. And then in May, we've got those people from that church in Charleston coming for a forgiveness and recon reconciliation seminar team. Now, we want to reach out across the racial barriers and denominational barriers in our city and make that something incredible. We need a team of people to work on that. So be looking at that. That's, that's some ideas. I haven't given you all the ideas yet. Next, our next step here is your personal step. And these are things we don't do as a church, but you might do personally. Show them the graphic here. 
Now, I've got so much listed up here. Maybe you need to establish a consistent quiet time. Or you need to start praying with your spouse that change your marriage. Or you need to start some kind of family devotion with your children. Or you need to say, you know what, I need some accountability about overcoming this problem. Or you just need, as one brother here, his goal for the year, I'm just going to be present with people. So many of us, our lives are way too cluttered. That's why we can't do some of these things. We need to simplify. I need to work on my prayer life. My, would this change our church? I make it my goal to be an encourager. I need to work on outreach. That's mine. I need to be more bold. Giving, you know what I mean? And that's one of the most specific, practical things you could do to grow your faith is to give sacrificially and allow God to bless you. Forgiveness, you've got resentment towards someone. Some of you in here, you know, your next step would be to be baptized. That could happen in just a few minutes. Or, or neighboring, we introduced this concept a couple of years ago, is instead of investing in everything in the world in Montgomery, I'm going to invest in getting to know my neighbors and influencing them for Christ. Or I just need to be more positive and I need some thanksgiving. So, so look at that. Those are, that's a bunch more ideas for you to think about. What's your next step? And then on top of these two steps, to me, the most important challenge today is a prayer step. Because, listen to me, if we as a church start all these new efforts, or you start some new efforts personally, but it's not covered by prayer. You see, when we talk about participating in the divine nature, and God moves, and I move, and God moves, and I move, nothing represents that better than prayer. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 is one of my favorite verses. All the promises of God are yes in Christ. God's made all these promises. And now, through Jesus, I say amen to those promises. You know what prayer is? Promise. Prayer is saying amen to what God's always promised. So God's promised it. No doubt about it, guys. It's not if and no. It's not yellow light, red light. It's green light. God wants to give it to you. But prayer's the way that we say, God, I tell you what, I won't, I claim your promise. And here's what's going to happen. When you start doing that, man, it's going to make you want to talk to God more. And God's going to be able to do more in your life. So this week is so critical as we start this year. We've been doing this for a long time called a week of prayer. And guys, I believe that powerful things happen when we pray, especially when we pray together. Here's a great quotation from a prayer warrior named Albert Lemons. When God and man make contact in prayer, history's at a turning point. You see, that's the teaching of Scripture on prayer. And and, and make this personal for a moment. Your history could be at a turning point. And so this week, these next seven days are so critical. Now, if I could say something very honestly here. Because there's so much great movement going in our church right now. But my biggest disappointment in 22 years of ministry here is we've not found a way to consistently get us together to pray. And to be frank with you, I think that holds God back. There is something, if you read the book of Acts, of when people get together and pray, things were changed and shook up. In fact, I had a friend the other day tell me, about a church in Pensacola, Florida. Church only had 70 members. But they've decided great things aren't going to happen unless they're talking to God. 
So every Saturday they meet from 5 to 7, at least a third of the church. Five-year-olds, teenagers, listen, not 5 to 7 p.m., 5 to 7 a.m. every Saturday. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine what God could do? And guys, that's why we periodically, these two times a year, devote ourselves to this week of prayer. Many of you participated, but we've never had broad participation. And so this year, you're going to be given a prayer guide on your way out that will guide you and your family every day. But in the midst of this, and we're making it super convenient, at 6 o'clock tonight and 6.30 Wednesday night, we're gathering the whole church to pray. Can you imagine what would happen if we pray? Now, can I ask you tonight, what do you have going on in your life that's more important than us praying together? I'm not saying there's not exceptions. I'm telling you, my friends, if my daughter Laura starts having those twins in Huntsville, I won't be here tonight, okay? But, but I'm telling you, other than that, I don't have a, even a flimsy excuse. And when we read the promises of Scripture, man, let's be here. And, and again, dream with me for a second. What could God do? Now, we already know that because we've been praying about some things this past year. We've been praying for this elementary school over here, Halcyon. And I read an online report of the grades that every school in the state of Alabama was given this past week. When we started working with Halcyon, I'm not giving us credit. I'm giving God credit, okay? When we started working with Halcyon, they were a D-graded school. The report that came out this week, they are a B. Somebody needs to clap. And, and, and I'm telling you, dudes, I searched the list of Montgomery Public Schools. I don't see another school in the district that made that kind of progress. And I'm not giving us the credit. There's lots of people involved in this and a crazy good principle. But we've been praying about that, guys, and something's going on. What happens if we pray about all these other things? And then, you know, back on October the 6th, I challenged us. I said, guys, do you know how many baptisms we've had so far this year? And, and one of you actually knew it was 17, which was embarrassing. And that night, there was a teen worship night. And Amelie and Melissa Johnson and Sarah Newton got together and they talked about there only being 17 baptisms. And they had a very specific prayer that, that, that night, October 6th, that God would double the amount of baptisms in this church. And Ryan, you were the 34th baptism in our church this year. I'm telling you, my friends, show up tonight. Pray with your family every day this week. We do the natural. We put some words together and we pray. And God does the supernatural. So I've given you lots of things to talk about. Let's boil it all down here. What is your next step? Now, I want you to do this, and I hope you can see good enough to do it. But I want you to write that down in two places. There on your, your message outline that's found in Lifelines, you write it down for yourself. But I also want you to write it on this white sheet. There's a tear-off on this sheet. Keep your Bible classes because I know you're going to be there next week. So on this sheet, that was good. Okay, on this sheet, 
you may have checked one of those boxes of the church things you could do. But here's what's going to happen, because we believe in the power of prayer. This Tuesday night, all of your shepherds and ministers are gathering to pray over this sheet. So I want you to write down what God has revealed to you. Man, I meant to pray about this earlier. Let's stop and pray. Oh, God, everybody in this room has got a next step. Satan would want, Satan would want us to, to do nothing about this because he's afraid because he's seen when your people move, you move. And so right now, before everybody in this room leaves this place, I pray that, pray that you in these next moments will reveal their next step. Whether it's to wake up earlier next Sunday morning be a Bible class or start reading their Bible tomorrow morning and praying. Whether it's to reach out in their neighborhood to be in part of Hope Inspired Ministry or help us in this school. God, give us all our next step. Help us not to complicate this thing. We don't have to write down ten things. We might write down two or three things at most. But God, give us that next step. And then, God, we're going to pray about it. We'll do the natural, and we're counting on you doing the supernatural. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So right now, if you'll take the time to write that in two places, and please put your name on that, especially if you're volunteering for one of those areas to challenge the status quo in our church. Put your name on it. Check the box. I know mine. And the personal, write that down. Now, let me call our shepherds up here right now. If you were here last week, we had a really cool week. Um, Last week, we talked about what we were going to leave behind in the year 2018. So most all of us wrote down something we were going to leave behind, a sin, an attitude, a habit. And we came up these trash cans and re-ripped that paper part. I don't know about you, but it has made a difference in my life. Now, some of your spouse has been telling on you that you didn't do it. I'll start calling names if I need to. But listen to me. That today, instead of what you're going to put behind, today is what is that? Just at least one, one, just one, one step you're going to take forward. And we're going to ask you to come bring this to our shepherds, and then they're going to pray over this, and then we'll keep praying over it this week. Let me tell you my favorite story in the Bible about next steps. Joshua chapter 3. They get to the Jordan River and they don't know how they're getting across and God makes a promise. He says, as soon as the priests who carried the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, the waters flowing downstream be cut off and stand up in a heap. But listen, Unless they put their foot in the Jordan, it wouldn't have happened. That's what you got to see today. God had all the power, but God wants it to be a cooperative venture with you. Look what happens in verse 15. As soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan, all of this, and their feet, their little bitty toes, touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing and it piled up. Woo, gives me chills. So this morning, ooh, right now, take a step. If you want to come, write something down for us to pray about, or today you'll be baptized, meet me on the front row. But for all the rest of us, please come before the men who shepherd your souls and let them know what your next steps will be so they can pray for you. Let's all stand together and respond.